Hello and welcome to this episode of Wolves Fancast. David Evans here on the Zoom line today. I've got Adam. Hola. I've got Matt. Hola. And we've got Andy. Hey, yeah. Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Three bloody good points in the bag once again. We were all moaning the middle of the week. I know we had that podcast um, midweek, which was a bit mixed opinion, but really I don't care. Uh, because <laughs> Wolves got three points today in a 3-0 win against Everton. Before we get into it, gentlemen, how are you enjoying this sunny Sunday afternoon as we're recording at the minute? Chest out for Andy. Chest out for me. I'm a bit disappointed that Adam, you haven't got your chest out, mate, Ava. Come on. Get your chest out for the lads. Yeah, so we're all we're all doing good. And Adam's on the beer, Matt's on the water. Andy, what are you on? Are you on any beverage? Squash. On the squash. Fancast fishing, someone's gonna be on the squash. Of course. Uh gents, we're gonna talk about a win in a second, of course. We're gonna do Twitter Corner and we've got Burnley to preview as well. Um, so really, we'll get straight into it. Wolves with a 3-0 win at lunchtime on this Sunday afternoon at Molyneux against Everton. Jimenez, Dendonga and Jota with the goals. Uh, before we start, I'm going to go to Adam because Adam and I have been having a little chat on the WhatsApp about one little man called Daniel Podence. And he was very much the star man today. On the chat, Adam, you were saying to me that if he starts, he's going to bag a goal and assist. He basically nearly scored and he basically gave the goal, the first goal. Um, you must be a very happy chappy in the Price household. I was, um, I was saying just before we come on air, I was like the, the South Park meme of, um, who's the guy that sat next to his, who's the guy who sat next to his computer with just spaff everywhere? <laughs> That's <laughs> somebody's me. Dad? Is it somebody's dad? <laughs> it's one of I'm, the not kids' over, dads. I'm not over I'm not with, yeah, it is, isn't it? I think it's Stan's dad. I think, I can't, I'm not too sure now, but yeah, that's me. That was me at, at, um, up until the 70th minute when he went off. <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah, fantastic. I mean, we'll probably touch on the, a little bit more on, on Pedenza a little bit, but I was, uh, I was just delighted to see him start, to be honest. Um, I don't know whether Nuno was kind of doing, doing a dendonka, in inverted commas, so to speak, with him and giving him, the, you know, letting him have a long lead in time before he gave his chance. But um, no, I was, just, I was just delighted that A, he had his chance and B, he emphatically, emphatically took it. Andy, what do you think? Pudence made the mark today. He was an absolute delight to watch. <clears throat> I mean, some of the stuff he was doing was just next-level genius. Some of the passes that he was pulling out, and it was it was incredible. Like, I love Jota, don't get me wrong, but you know what you get with Jota. It's a very smash-mouth, direct approach. Whereas Pudence showed that little bit more nous, I feel. And he, he managed to sort of... The cohesion of the front three was still there, even though two of the, the normal front three weren't in the team. How much were you drooling over Pedence today, Matt? And especially with that combo with Neto as well. Yeah, I think it was um, it was great to watch. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on, on the guy because playing so much little football and then a start, you know, in a game where the club were, or the team were under some criticism as well. It's a lot of pressure for, for, for the guy. And then he had a really mature performance where, you know, he had the confidence to do these tricks and um, make some passes that, you know, weren't easy and, and set up other players. As he played as if he's been playing in that team for a while, um, which actually, by minutes, isn't the case. Um, and he just played in a way that was so assured and, you know, even drawing fouls in a clever way, like a little pint-sized shift. He just, he had a really, he just had a really assured and mature performance, I think, today. Open it up to everyone 
here. So fastest voices first, or how you want it. In general today, just trying to sort the game before we go into more detail. Was it that Wolves were too good? Everton were poor, or perhaps it was just a mixture of the both. I think there's sometimes there's <laughs> there's sometimes a bit of there's a common view sometimes when you when you swat aside the team so easy there's a tendency it's quite easy really just just to say that the other team were poor or they're bad or shit or whatever but I think we just we we were so in control of the game we, we made Everton look look really bad I mean they hard to have a shot on our goal so so. Someone could use that as an argument to say, oh, well, they barely had a shot on our goal. Well, that's because we defended really well and we just marshalled Everton's attack just with ease. And I don't think they, ever, they probably had about one decent chance they had all, all game. I just thought that with, with the lineup that we had pre-game, I was, really, I was happy with the changes. And again, I know, I think you said before, Dave, it could go one way or the other. And to be fair, sometimes it can come on it because you could look at it one way and say, is he... Has he been a bit spooked by the last two results and he's just made two changes and just hoping for the best? But um, I say maybe he's held back Pedence for a reason. Um, but as I said earlier, he, he took his chance to come in. I was happy with Neto starting as well to add a bit more verb in attack. Um, but I just think we made Everton look really, really shit, to be honest. Um, I mean, they're a bit of a mishmash of a team, which I guess we'll talk about a bit in a, a bit later on. I don't really know who or what they are at the moment, but um, whereas we're the opposite, we we've got our style of play. We've got flair, creative attacking players when they want, when they can attack. Uh, but no, I just I just think we made Everton look bad today. We really did. Andy was going to say something then. Adam got there first. What what, what yeah, words right. we, what words were you going to exhale <laughs> out your mouth, Andy? I was going to say really you can only beat what's in front of you, but what was in front of us is a team of quite a few international players. It's not that Everton have got a bad bunch. There's no cohesion there whatsoever between them. But when you look at what we did, we actually took the game to them. Mm. We never really let them settle. And I, I think, like Price has just mentioned about the, the starting lineup, for me, the key was the midfield too. Because Jean Moutinho, he's been off his game a little bit, especially in the last two. So to drop him was quite a big call for Nuno. And I think having Dendonka play in quite a reserved role allowed Neves to step up maybe 10 yards further forward. Because Neves' normal position, he's probably on the D of the centre circle in our own half. But it was probably the other side mm. in this one. And by being able to influence the attacks, he, he glued together through him. And I think that, that, for me, was the key moment, was the way he was able to just pick the ball up, spray passes out, bring players in. Because I saw that Everton line-up at the start of the game, and I did think, oh, like... He's still a good start in eleven. Like, and then at the end of the game, you think, "How has that happened?" Matt, well, what were your thoughts on on the Everton kind of performance? Was it was it the case we were too good, or was it you know a mixture of both? Everton being poor, I think it's a mixture of both. In the Everton disappointed for me in a way when I try and look at it objectively because there is there was still a sniff of Europe for them prior to this game. You know, looking at um, the fixtures that they've got left as well. So they've still got to play Villa and they've still got to play Bournemouth, two teams that are, you know, very, very winnable games for them. And I just thought a real lack of um, ambition on their part, helped by the fact that we seemed revitalised and we seemed, we weren't creatively stifled like we have been. And in almost a strange way and a bit of a hot take, by not having Traore on the field, some of the players were forced to be creative outlets and not just 
give the ball to Traore and let the Traore show do its thing. And I think with that fresh attitude and a combination of Everton not showing a lot of ambition, it was a rollover in the end. Matt with the hot takes. Probably a little bit of truth to it, to be honest. I mean, when you've got a player like, um, like Traore, there is quite a, an easy tendency to just give him the ball and as he did for the last that 15 minutes, just barge past mm. three or four players. Mm. Um, so again, without, without wanting to get too hung up on, on, on Pedence, you know, again, he's, he showed when he, he, he has had to be patient for, for his chance. What's that, Adam? You, know, you want to talk more about Pedence? Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Shock. Well, I mean, to be fair, it's, it's not just me who's been championing him. And I know there was a tendency for when... Uh, players aren't playing and results aren't going your way to make an instant reaction to say play him and results will start going our way again but um, as I said before I guess what what we've found with their longer term successful players is that they've had a longer bedding in period so Troy had a bedding in period Dendonka definitely had one you know we, we all really like Dendonka now I, I think without speaking for everyone we all consider the benefit he brings to the team but now, for the first six months, he didn't get a sniff, did he? He, he didn't get a chance. So maybe, just maybe, that you know, he's doing the same with Pedence. And the only difference with Pedence is that he's up against quite a lot of other attacking players. Nuno does have a lot of options, really, when it comes to, uh, you know, if he's going to play three up front, you know, he's got a lot of options. Raul, Adama, Jota, Neto, and, that, and then you have Pedence. So maybe that's also been in his mind when he's grabbed his chance today. Mm. I just hope that he gets, you know, he, he can get a, a run of starts appreciate there's only a few games left now but he can really show what what he can do but um, yeah it's good that, we, that we're not overly reliant on Traore especially if he's got his dodgy shoulder and he, he keeps going down with that all the time so yeah it's, just, it's good to have the options there's an interesting hot take there from Matt actually because if you look at the last two games it did get to a point where the only tactic seemed to be give Traore the ball and try and cross it in on the right when maybe once out of 10 crosses it may convert into something. And it felt very similar to a Costa Sacco of old, where it was just give the star player the ball and let's just hope he does something that creates a chance. I think that's fair. We, we, for the last couple of games, we have looked completely out of ideas. And, and as Adam said, it's such an easy thing to do to just say, OK, give the ball to Trey all right and he can keep running. But if it doesn't work after the 20th, time it's not going to carry on it's not going to work in the 21st you know you did need to vary it up and that's exactly what he did today and we were all calling for it midweek I mean we were probably calling for it before Arsenal actually just to try and get get a few more faces in and get some minutes on the pitch so I'm I'm glad he's finally done it and it's paid dividends no go on Matt well I just think for for the the reasons that we criticise Nuno midweek are the reasons we we, we should really praise him for today in that he's had the the um, the courage to roll the dice a little bit and let's do something a little different that is new to him as far as this season goes and you know it's paid off you know we have we and rightly so have criticized for perhaps a negative attitude when it comes to substitutions or um, in, in terms of his playing style but to roll the dice in the way that he did today I think has only benefited the team and now it gives him a really nice problem over the next couple of games about what do you do with that attacking um, three, that's how, what he wants to play. Do you know what I mean? If Neto isn't injured um, for the remainder of the season, we don't know how that's going to fare out. 
he's got a plethora of options that he can play with, mm. and he, you know it's going to hopefully give some exciting football. Now I know what you were all thinking, chaps. You'd like to hear from an Everton fan, wouldn't you? You'd like to get their perspective of the game. So Maybe hopefully this works. Uh, if I just let uh, Thomas in now, this is the magic of Zoom, everyone. And fingers crossed, it's going to work. We don't usually do this, but is Thomas there? Hello, yeah. There. Tom- All right, cheers, Thomas. Thanks for coming on. Thomas Roberts, Robertson from the Toffee Blues uh, podcast. Thomas, I've- thanks for coming on. I appreciate in these Kuiper games, especially how it went on, to come on to the opposition podcast and talk about it. It takes a lot of guts, so I do appreciate you coming on. Um, just firstly, we've just been talking about the game. We were kind of talking about whether whether from our point of view, was it the walls were too good, Everton were poor, or was it a mixture of both? What, what has been kind of the Everton view after the game of how that went? Um, I definitely think amongst most of our fans, it's, we were just atrocious. Um, it was nothing really new that we'd learnt, though. We've been poor for the last few games, really. And I'm not saying Wolves didn't play well, but I don't think really that much effort really had to go into it because we were abysmal. I mean, Gilfie Sigurdsson and Davies kind of just summed up our performance, just constantly passed backwards. Neither of them actually attempted a single dribble in the first half. I don't know what happened to that start in the second half, but that was that was the start at half time. It just showed, you know, it, Wolves didn't really have to come out of second gear, I don't think, to really beat us today because, I mean, we were, we were subpar as we have been. And then, obviously, the, the goals... I'd say the penalty was definitely avoidable. I don't know why Dinier went to make that challenge. It was a penalty. People have argued that it wasn't, but it, I mean, it definitely was. Then, second goal just after half time, the, the lad that, that came on, 18 years old, <laughs> no Premier League experience, and loses his man, a, a, a tricky one. And then, and then the one after that, I mean, Neves' pass was just ridiculously good, really. But then, I just, I, I think it was much more evident we were poor as opposed to Wolves being, you know, great. What was your kind of hope after lockdown? Was it with the, this team, especially with Ancelotti, was there still a hope of pushing for a Europa place? Is that kind of gone now in your mind? Um, I think it's definitely gone now. Yeah. Yeah. I, think we're, I think we're way off now, but definitely for the first few games, that was definitely the ambition. Obviously, we came back on the draw at Liverpool, which was a good result when it was. Then we beat Leicester and Norwich. And then I think we were only kind of two points off when we came up against Spurs of kind of the Europa League position. But obviously, the performance that we put in against them was embarrassing. And then we got run off the park by Southampton after that. And then obviously today's game. I mean, the ambitions are definitely gone. We're not, we're not getting Europe this season, but definitely after the restart, I think a few people still hope we might be able to sneak in. And what's the the thought with Ancelotti then? This is it more? Do you see this season now more as a transition season with Ancelotti, in the hope that in the summer he will get the funds and the top players he wants to push Everton on to where you probably think you can get to? Um, now I definitely think it is. Yeah, uh, I think. As bad as it is that we haven't got Europe, I'm not sure it's going to be the worst thing ever next season with, with the fixture pile-up, obviously. We'd have to start ridiculously early. I mean, everyone's going to already. And I mean, there won't be a proper pre-season or anything. And I think it has to be a transition period now. He has to start implementing his tactics more, obviously, because there's been a massive change in system, really, from Marco Silva playing a 4-2-3-1 to now. When, I mean, normally we play a 4-4-2. We came today with some sort of 5-3-2. We had something going on today, which it, it's, it's quite hard to follow most of the time. Obviously, we had like Dinier centre-back. It was a bit confusing. But I think I think it's a good chance for uh, Ancelotti to realise who he needs to get rid of. But like, I'm sure that doesn't come as a surprise to him. There's I mean, there's a couple of names I can think of, you know, players like Sigurdsson and Davies that I did mention. But I see no Europe's not the greatest, but I don't think it's actually the worst case. After everything that's happened now as well, our players look, you know, shattered. We've had quite a few injuries going into this now. And I think whether he'll get funds in the summer, I'm not certain, because obviously there's financial fair play rules, which is 
that's been spoken about us for a while because obviously we have spent massively, massively uh, in the last you know few years now. So I think he might be able to strengthen some certain areas, but I don't think we'll be seeing a summer you know like we have with the the big you know. I mean, I, I don't actually know what the, the actual final fee is of what we've spent over the past four or five years, but I don't think we'll be seeing a summer like that again. Even though it's as if we need it now more than ever based off today's performance. To be fair. Gents, is there any questions you want to ask Thomas from an Everton point of view? Yeah, I've got a question. Moving gear slightly, post game I looked on Twitter and there's a lot of people questioning Jordan Pickford as England num- number one. What are Everton fans' opinions of Jordan Pickford? Um, I think patience is running thin, even kind of amongst the, the most patient fans. Really, I mean myself, I defended Pickford for so long, but there's been there's been three games in a row now where he's just dropped the ball. It's like it's like watching like Sunday League at times, and then. <laughs> It, it's not even the mistakes. I mean, every keeper makes mistakes, but it's his reaction as well. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen the photo after he almost spilled it today and he's laughing and he's always smiling. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, that's not how I'd, I'd react after almost just giving away a goal that easily. But I think in terms of priorities, I think because obviously we can't spend as much as we have been doing and people were saying, oh, he's, he's not great, but we can't really afford to strengthen goalkeeper when we need like other positions, but he's kind of doing his best job to make it seem like he is like what we need to strengthen. Now he's, he's worked his way up the priority list. And I think he just, he, he can keep making these mistakes because we've got no one to come in from. I mean, we've got Steppenberg on the bench, but he's well, it's like 37 or something now and he's off to Ajax. We've got Joe Virginia who had to be recalled from Reading in January because he was that bad there. <laughs> and we had Jonas Losol who was signed a free transfer then loaned straight back to Huddersfield. So we haven't had the, the greatest success in goalkeepers, but definitely people are struggling to kind of watch him every week because, I mean, it doesn't help your heart rate at all. But it can't help his defence either. They must have no confidence in him, especially when it just seems to be things like crosses when he comes and he just completely misses them. It's just strange mistakes. That, I mean, I'm personally sick of them and I'm pretty sure the majority of people are now as well. Any other questions, gents, before we wrap up the uh, Thomas's bit? Well, for this time next season when we play um, Everton again, bearing in mind that spend might not be something that you guys are able to do, are there any young players that we should be looking out for in next season's game that we can potentially pinpoint as you know danger men of the future? Um, well, Anthony Gorn, he started today. He's kind of just been coming into the, the team in the past few games. And I don't know how good he, he will be. Obviously, we've had plenty of false storms of players like, you know, Ross Barkley, you know, players like that that have looked good, kind of trailed off. And I think he looks good, but he's also one of the only players that's actually beating a man and actually trying to run forward. So he, he looks very good in a side that's very poor, to be fair. But hopefully he can kick on. Obviously, Branthwaite, who came on, had, had a tricky day, really. But I think any defender would have in the position he was in. Obviously, we had a very makeshift defence kind of towards the end where we had one centre-back and a back five, which was a bit ridiculous. But then I think those two for now as well, because I think we're looking less to youth, which we're trying to use, you know, the squad players that we have. I think Ancelotti's really trying to see what he can do with the players he has. So and we do have youth players. We have, we have players like Ben and Gimme, but I doubt he's going to come through anytime soon. And then, to be, to be honest, Gordon seems to be the only kind of player who... I think will really be around next season. Um, yeah. mm. But I mean, I think that massively depend, depends over whether the rest of the team kind of put their ideas up because as good as he is, the rest should be better with the experience that they've got players like Gilfie Sigurdsson. Mm. So if they book their ideas up, which I, I doubt they will, we might not see him, but I think he, he'll play a big role going forward into next season, especially. Excellent. Just before we uh, finish off, Thomas, give me one player in that wall side today that you'd love to see in an Everton shirt. 
has to be Ruben Neves. He's, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, I mean we're, we're craving a central midfielder, and he, he, do, he just looks brilliant. And he's obviously very young. I, I don't know how old he is exactly. I think he's only like 22 now? now, I think. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks ridiculously good for his age. He just looks like a ridiculously experienced central midfielder when he's, I mean, he's not that experienced. Obviously, because he played for Porto, didn't he? Mm. Was it Porto yeah, that he yeah. from it? And he, yeah. and he looked good there. He was like the youngest Champions League captain or something like that. But I think. It has to be him or Joao Moutinho, just any of you centre midfield. I'd even take Dendonga at this point. And I don't know if he's really a natural centre midfielder in terms of as midfielders go. Lovely. Thomas, I say, I appreciate you coming on. I know, especially in that kind of result, it takes a lot of guts to come on to an opposition <laughs> yeah, podcast. No but, um, I really appreciate you, time. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers. Uh, there we go. Right, cheers, guys. What? Well, right, let's talk a bit more about Wolves again. Let's talk about the goals. Let's talk about the goals. Goals, goals, bloody goals. goals. Damn lovely goals. Uh, Jimenez penalty first. I, I, Thomas kind of touched on it there, but what do you think? Penalty for you? Without a question. Yeah. yeah. All day. I'm surprised that the... Well, I, mean, I know they need something to talk about, but I'm surprised that the pundits, you know, wax lyrical about it so much. Start, you know, kick, kick the back of his leg. It's, you know, he's a needless challenge in an area that didn't need to be made. So it's a penalty all day for me. Can you appreciate the little uh, bit of PlayStation skill there from the little man as well? I don't. Know, I, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was what he intended to do or not. But something happened, and he managed to get in between the two of the players. What's the controller then, um, setting? What's the controller settings on that? What would you have to press I to do that? You must have R two permanently held down. <laughs> is, it still, is, this, is, this, is it still R two? I'm assuming it's still R two. I haven't played it flip, since FIFA 13. Flip the analog left. Back right. in my day, it used to be R two and forward. <laughs> it used to be forward flick with the analog stick. <laughs> Um, yeah, this, yeah I, I, did, I did think it was a penalty. Yeah, you, you could see, you could see he's kicked his standing leg. Um, Jimenez, he's, he's, um, he's scored all six penalties now. He's taken the Premier League so far. I think there's only four players better now who have got 100% record. And shock horror, gents! The first half goal. We scored in the first know, yeah, half. Yeah. Let's get up that first half table. That's why I want to say, I don't care if we're in Europe. I want to be up that first half table <laughs> at the end of the season. And then, you know, as, as much as a shock as that was, at the start, right bang at the start of the second half, um, free kick, Neto curls a lovely ball in, dead dunker with a header. I mean, what a great start to the second half. I was still in shock from the first half. Yeah, with the second half goal, I'd literally just got me a drink, sat back down. I thought we were defending it, not attacking. I was like, hang on, what's going on? And then when I saw us celebrating, so look, it took me a minute to register what had happened. But yeah, it was great. His movements off the ball to, to get in front of his defender and then tiny, tiny uh, Jordan Pickford was nowhere near it. <laughs> if there were fans in that stadium, that's a classic. You're still having a drink in the concourse and you're running back and you're, what? What we yeah. scored, like absolutely. Even at home, even at home, those old those old habits don't die. Yeah. <laughs> Jan, have my bovril. Let me. I'm gonna go see what this is. Um, I was worried at one point when I was, when I was listening to Carragher's commentary when they did the replay. He almost was suggesting it might go to VAR at one point because it almost slightly looked like that the Dunker's hand was offside. I was like, no, don't go to VAR. But no, it was all fine. It was all good. I loved it. Um, and then the final goal are called uh, Jota off the bench. What a thronker. I mean, I had to really watch it to see it got in because the shadow on that side, you couldn't really tell what was going on. But that was a classic Jota. That was a classic Jota Man United FA Cup goal. Yeah, it was, absolutely. It was in the Neves past, you know, to make it as well. Um, like, that's, that's what, you know, we, we, we pick point is that's what we think of when we think of walls at their best. Those amazing balls that come from the, like the middle of the pot that have absolutely no right to create a chance that do. 
And I was a bit annoyed at first because obviously Jota has that one-on-one chance, doesn't he? And I was like, oh, how is he fluff that up? But he makes up with it. He makes up for it, doesn't he, with that goal. Um, I, was about the same the- as you, I was the same as you, Dave, to be honest. When, the, um, when Jota's hit it, I'd met a two, three second delay because I couldn't see because of that shadow of the goal. I couldn't really see if he'd gone in or mm. not. I had no idea. <laughs> it's a lovely goal. <laughs> Go on, Mandy. I was going to say, especially because he went near post rather than putting it across the keeper. So you think, yeah, has he just hit the side netting? But he put that much power in it on his so-called weaker foot. It was a, yeah, thronker is the right word for it. Thronker. Someone is going to make the partridge video, aren't they? Someone <laughs> yeah. make that video. Um, I, I, also... think, I think we, 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 all, we, all, we all have thronkers today. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, that goal from Jota. He's scored five goals off the bench now in the Premier League. It's more than any Premier League player across all competitions. Hmm. More stats always for you there. And the final bit I want to talk about, because it, like, it could have been more. Obviously, Jota's one-on-one, um, but also Troy always miss at the end. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm still slightly annoyed at that. It was a great build-up. Jota does so well. You're thinking, there he is, Troy, and he hits the crossbar. We do seem to have that sometimes, don't we? we do, I know we had that one with Neto against Espanyol. I'm sure there's been a couple of other times where sometimes we, we make hard work of the easiest opportunity in front of you. I mean, all he had to do was redirect it, but he somehow managed to try and power it. Mm. It was like he'd just held down circle for too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about any notable performances today, guys. Uh, Neves, for one. I know Podence was very much man of the match, but not just his through ball. Uh, Matt, what was your kind of take on Neves' performance today? Yeah, it was it was assured and, and calm and... It was it was really good to see that because, like, like we've mentioned earlier, creatively we've looked a little stifled and a little um, out of ideas recently, and we need that spark sometimes just to um, just to get us going. You know, don't get me wrong, he had a, a long range effort that himself that flew over the bar that seems to be a little bit of a habit as of late. But apart from that, you know, he was he had it was a really assured performance and something that we've been really craving. You know, we can't rely all the time on playing through our wing backs and hoping that we'll create something that way we need to do it from all areas of the pitch and to see him do that today just shows that actually there are other options that we can utilize and that's what wins your games you can't resort to the same tactic over and over and over again mm. i have some some stats from neves today i also got his assist 82 passes completed and 81 89.1 percent pass completion five tackles won three inceptions 11 ball recoveries uh, so yeah, Neves back 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 at it, back in the habit. It was that. It was the whole, and certainly for his goal, it was a whole passage of play right from the start, from winning the tackle on the byline to then producing the pass. I think because he really, as much as we like, love to big up the goat, Matinho, and, and say how great he is. It's probably been a bit harsh here, but he's not. He's not going to be the future of the club. Is he? he's not. You know, he's not going to be someone that we can. We can't ask him certainly to, to keep playing the number of games he's played this season when he's you know what is shortly about to turn thirty four I think so yeah. by all means use him as, as as we can but someone like Neves who is the, well certainly I don't know how long term his future will be with us but he's obviously the longer term bet um, so I'm happy that he's like pulling these sort of performances out the bag because he, he's showing everyone what what he is he can do and, and the skills that he has got in his locker. I think with Matinho, yeah. they're just going to freeze him 
and they're going to bring him back in the future. Like in Futurama, they're just going to get his head, put it in a jar of water, put it on robot. <laughs> Matinho can play forever. Um, any, anything else on Neves for you, Andy? Was there anyone else particularly you thought played well today? Um, in regards to Neves, it was a very commanding performance. You can see why he was a captain of a Champions League team at the age of 19. Because he took the game by the scruff of the neck and he made it tick, made it run to his beat. So, yeah, in regards to Neves, phenomenal. Other performances, um, I thought Neto had a good uh, first half. I know obviously he went off injured, so maybe he wasn't 100%, but he looked like he was full of running. Um, I've grown to love that kid. I just think he's incredible. I know I gave him some shit earlier in the season, but he just keeps proving me wrong every time I see him. He, and I he, love him for yeah. it. he is the archetypal kid in the American bad boy in the American like teen film that the girls want to be with the moms warn you about <laughs> yeah. like the bad boy on the boat but he's got a, he's got a, 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 a heart of gold but to be fair yeah. though I mean what and this saying it's right though because I mean when we bought him let's be honest we didn't know anything about him did we no. we had anyone who professed otherwise you know I'd challenge them on it because we didn't really know anything about it you know he didn't hit the ground running straight away but the potential was there but we know we now seen it now, and he's he's pushing Jota hard really to get that that starting position now. I mean, we know Jota's been on a bit of a lean spell recently, but he, again, Jota showed today what exactly what he can do. So that's another headache really for Nuno for the next game. If Jota, if, um, if Neto's injury indeed doesn't seem to be that bad, if they, if he is fit again, he's got another selection dilemma there, which is good. That's fine, you yeah. know. He's got, you know, if he's playing three, he's got a choice of five to play three positions. So, um, well, two really. Cause let's face it, he's not going to drop him in there, is he? So, um, it's just, it's just good options for us to have. Oh, the scenes if that Jimenez overhead kick goes in the net. Oh, jeez, oh, that would be so good. Um, in the WhatsApp, a couple of people were mentioning about Doc. Perhaps not at the races today, and not in the races in other games. Matt, what do you think of Doc today? Um, yeah. Potentially slightly off the ball, but I mean, he had a, a chance in the first half where he steamed ahead, and that was actually quite exciting. Mm. Uh, but then his, his shot was off. I think I think there was a slip there. To be fair, um, yeah, again, not at the races, but because of the way that we played, we didn't we didn't require him to be at his best for us to have a successful game. So with that in mind, I mean, I, again, I, I do think he plays better sometimes when Troy Ray isn't on the pitch with him personally. Um, and I don't think, yeah, it wasn't his greatest performance, but in a, you know, in a team performance like that, you can afford to have a couple of off players, and it's just one of those days for him, really. I don't think it'll one that he'll try and get the DVD burnt for, put it that way. <laughs> I think he misses, sometimes I think he, he might be someone who misses Traore, Doherty, because he had such a good link-up with him on the right-hand side, and they seem to dovetail him quite nicely when he's not there. I don't know, you, you do, as you said, you do tend to seem a bit inhibited. I don't know if that's just me, but that's just what I've picked up on him and since the restart. That if Troy's not there, sometimes you don't really see the best of him. Uh, a nice little stat that came out after the game. Uh, Wolves have become the first English club to win competitive games in two different Julys in the same season. <laughs> I love that. Basically, Wolves are the kings of July. Let's proclaim it now. <laughs> all rise for Wolves. Jensen, uh, all in all then, you know, it's great to get back on the winning front. Obviously, you appreciate in the last two games the performances and the results, especially the gut puncher in against Sheffield United. But I think probably today it wasn't just the win; it was the fact that it was the performance. We all seem to be back to what we know. Yeah, absolutely. After a few, 
I think among Arsenal, they've got some decent players there. That was never going to be an easy game as such. Sheffield United was, yeah, it was a kick in the bollocks. We never turned up. We never got going. So today, it had the potential to just be another drab, dare game without a shot on target. But seeing those positive changes, not being passive like we generally have been, I think if the the fans were there, you could just imagine it would have been the most buoyant atmosphere of the season. It would have been a great game. Well, gents, on that note, we're going to have a break. We're going to do Twitter Corner. We're going to talk about Burnley right after this. The business update. After a difficult year, experts are optimistic a recovery is imminent with key indicators improving. And yet, men everywhere continue to dress as if they just rolled out of bed. The economy is ready to bounce back. Are you? At Charles Tirrett, we have the high quality shirts and smart menswear to get you back to your best. Try our introductory offer with three shirts for only $99, delivered free. Use code POD99 at ctshirts.com or any Charles Tirrett store. Right, before we carry on, it's the halfway point of the podcast, and you know what that means. It's the best bit of the podcast. You get to find out about bloody good websites. Our website's a bloody good website, and I know you love a bloody good website as well, and our website is done by our friends at pixelyetimedia.com. It's even better than that Space Jam website, which it's still online. Go online, go on Google, type it in. The original website from that film is still there in all its glory, and our website is is even better than that and it's done by our friends at pixelyetimedia.com if you're looking for a new website for your business go check them out and they're not just web designers either they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites to brochures signage and marketing branding and more so why don't you go check them out at pixelyetimedia.com Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Uh, right, we're going to do Twitter Corner now, everybody. Let's mix it up a bit. It's Sunday. We're having a drink. Why not? Right, let's go to Twitter then. And let's see the type of questions we've had uh, for this podcast. If you want to send your questions in, in the future, just tweet us at WWFC Fancast, or you can email us podcast at wallsfancast.com or go on our Facebook page, type in Wolves Fancast, and you can find us there. Now, this is a follow-on to something we put on Twitter this week about the rumoured new kit uh, with some different sponsors. Uh, Elliot Wallison says, what local Wolverhampton sponsor would you love to see on a new Wolf shirt? I know people really like the Dixie chicken one that we put on uh, this week. Thanks to Ollie Butler on Twitter for that. Hey, which local sponsor would you like to see on a Wolf shirt, gents? Pork joint. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Got to be the Gifford, that, um... surely. Half-price half crackling <laughs> if you wear that shirt when you walk in. Uh, yeah, Gifford for one. What is it going to be a tagline underneath it, though? Gifford, get always sit on the throne. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because I'm that on the back of the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got Dixie Chicken, obviously. Um, we've got um, Gifford there, pork joints. Matt, any local sponsors for you? Other than having banks, don't be bitter on it or something like that. Way, um, <laughs> exactly. No, I'm happy with pork joint. And uh, well, to be fair, if Gifford. If it means we can get any kind of freebie on the back of it with a with a season ticket or something like that, it'll just save me from an expenditure point of view because I spent far too much money in that <laughs> if place. It, if it means we can have a guest DJ slot 
in the Gifford of a Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Can you imagine a fan cast musical takeover. <laughs> you imagine if if Blastoff, I mean God rest it, God rest its soul, was still around. Blastoff would be great, just as a sponsor. Yeah, oh, that would be. That's really would be great. Uh, again, the, again. The, the, the main thing that I appre- the main thing that I associate Blastoff with is Red Stripe. Yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> so Red Stripe then. Let's just you know maybe Blastoff and then Stripe, a mini. Yeah. Well, Red Stripe can be on the on the patches, can't it? Um, I, I maybe I'd like to say Charlie's Charlie's Fish Bar Ooh. as a sponsor. Ooh, That'd be call. quite good. Yeah. Um, okay, another the one. Should, the, only, the, the, the only alternative for me, sorry, the only alternative for me would be uh, have to be Chapelash Grill because Ooh. that's something that you just have on the way out, on the way out of town on the way back. Slip in, have a chat with grill, two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, or Mr. Tika. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, Mr. Tika, Tika really you? Again, wear your shirt after the game, get, I don't know, like 10p off, off something. <laughs> It'd work. Um, this kind of links back to the Everton chat we had before. Um, B Townley on Twitter says, is this Everton side the worst Ancelotti's ever managed? It's got to be down there, surely. It's definitely the worst we've seen him in the English game. Anyway, I was going to ask um, the Everton fan actually. I thought because is he is he really the right guy for the job? Because I mean, yeah, obviously he's a massive name in the world of football. That goes without saying. But when you look at the teams he's managed, all very high-profile teams with a lot of money to be mm. able to spend to buy him who he wants, he's not going to be able to buy who he wants at Everton. One because they're not a Real, Paris Saint-Germain, you know, whoever you know, whoever else is managed. And two, money will be tight. So I'm just thinking, what's he going to actually be able to achieve there at the minute? I'm just a bit unsure of, of what he's actually going to do given the group of players he's got. I'm just going to preempt Dan if he's listening at all. I believe that Ancelotti managed Napoli, not PSG. So Dan, don't get annoyed, Adam, by that error. No, he definitely <laughs> managed PSG, didn't he? Has he managed PSG? Yeah. Then I apologise to both you and Dan already <laughs> on this audio call. Um, yeah, because it's interesting because the Everton fan was talking about he doesn't think they'll have money to spend in the summer. And then you brought in Ancelotti who will probably want to spend money to bring in the type of players that um, Everton's owners want. I think they've spent quite a bit of money over the last few managers, yeah. so there's probably in danger of some FFP shenanigans. Um, but you look at that team and it looks like it's a team of four or five different managers just sort of thumbed together. So they probably need to sell, if to be perfectly honest, in order to build and then go again. Um, moving on then, Paul Wharton says, who wins a penalty shootout, Jimenez or Tomo? So both of them on the pitch, Tomo in his prime, Jimenez obviously now in his prime. You put him on a pitch, five penalties and sudden death, he's coming out on top. I think probably Jimenez, like you know, there's no doubt about it. When he's walking up, he's watching the keeper, where the keeper's going, and then going in the opposite direction. Whereas Tomo was more about just making sure that he's hit it hard enough that even if the keeper goes the right direction, he's probably not getting there. I'd take the technique over the power myself. Uh, Matt, who are you going for on that one? Well, on the, on the stat, yeah, I wasn't aware of the stat you gave me earlier, and I, I do love a good stat. So I'm going, I'm going Jimenez on stats alone. And I like the analogy about um, technique over power as well. So we're going down that route. Adam, are you going to make it a hat-trick for Jimenez or are you going to give one to Tomo? No, I'm going to go with the, uh, the intelligence of Jimenez. <laughs> I just remember, I also remember Tomo missing one in that Sheffield Wednesday shootout. I don't think Jimenez has missed one for us yet. So I'm, just, I'm going with the 100% record. I always like with Jimenez with his penalty today where he has that pause as a team before he, he places it. And sometimes I think he's just going to leave his leg up in the air and go, eh? 
Uh, which way? Which way? <laughs> there we go. Uh, I'm going to do half of the question from Mark Spruce here because the other question I think is quite up for the Burnley uh, preview we'll do in a second. Did Neves benefit from Joe being benched today? Yeah, I think so. It gave him more freedom. I think when Matinho's on, Matinho's the one who gets the freedom and Neves does a bit more of the donkey work. Whereas I think then Donka was doing the donkey work. I didn't mean to put a pun in there then, but I think that. <laughs> I think he benefited by having someone else do that work for him. From there on, it's now known as the Den Donkey work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, we'll touch on uh, Burnley in a second. One thing I, didn't, I forgot to mention in the, the Everton chat was on Friday, no Friday, Saturday night, there was a story around Twitter that the mirror broke saying that um, Nuno was about to sign a new deal until 2023. And post-match, the question was asked to Nuno. Um, and his reaction to that was... Um, I have a contract. I still have one more year of the contract. He didn't give any suggestion that he'd actually signed a new deal. Any itchy feet yet, gents, on Nuno? Do you think this is going to be a classic Mendes's in the cogs, making sure he gets a new deal, or perhaps... He's off. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah. He's gone. He's off. He's got to go, Frankie. Panic. Panic. <laughs> what no, do we I, think? I think that... I think that um, if you're in Nuno's position, you'd be silly to sign a deal at this point in the season. Because you want to know, you know, he, you want to know that the club has the ambition that you have. A, you want to know what players you're holding on to. B, you want to know who you you want to bring in. C, and if those three things aren't met, you know, Nuno got ambition as well, just as any player has. Um, why at this point would you commit to something where you don't know even what the end of your season is going to look like or the job that you're going to do going forward? So I've got no problem with Nuno not signing at this present moment in time. If we're talking six months till the end of his deal or something like that. And he hasn't signed, well, it's a different story, you know, but when we can, when he can commit to the project, once he knows, once the cards are laid out, then I think that's fair enough. Adam and Nandi, any thoughts on a Nuno deal? Are you still happy, still comfortable at the minute or is the, uh, the are you a bit tense? I'm perfectly fine with it. Sort of out pre-season when there's not more important things going on. Adam, you're just cool as a cucumber. You're fine with it, aren't you? <laughs> cucumbers in the freezer I'm not cool with, I'm not cool with it I don't know I just, I'm just, I've never been one to just really worry about it you know and again you could level at me being blind faith or anything like that but I just I'm just not worried about it to be honest I mean contracts to me are, let's face it with managers are largely meaningless anyway so um, I think if he's I'm sure he's happy he sounds like he's happy with, with being here anyway the, the club is kind of moulded in, in Nuno's image anyway so um, we seem to, we, are, we are progressing with him at the helm so I, I'm not entirely sure of, of where else he will go at, at, the, at the minute so I'm just happy as Andy said I'm just happy for it all to be sorted out when football has stopped in pre-season however long or short that pre-season may be given the current climate but no, pretty pretty relaxed about it. We're going to talk about Burnley. Uh, gents, as of recording on this Sunday, the 12th of July, unfortunately, we won't be able to ask Alexa to play that tune because uh, Villa have won their game against Palace. Hopefully, we can pause that for a, a later point. Uh, but on another Clarence and Blue team, Burnley is the next game. Is it right? Should I show you how much research I should do? Is it Thursday or Wednesday? The game? Wednesday, isn't it? It's Wednesday. I think it's okay. Wednesday. I think um, so, yeah. It's on the BBC. For those listening outside the UK, you must appreciate this is a very rarity. This is Wolves on the BBC on what we call normal telly just never happens. And I still find it, like, I still get excited as a kid 
no, no I'm going to watch Wolves on the BBC. You know, on terrestrial TV. I like it. It's fun. Everyone else is like, nah, it's alright, Dave. Just get on Sky. <laughs> yeah. um, right, Burnley. Um, they're ninth at the moment in the table. Uh, they're only five points behind Wolves. They've got a great point against Liverpool in their last game, which stopped Liverpool's 100% record at Anfield. Um, it's weird with Burnley. I don't know what you guys think, because if you look at their side, kind of like Sheffield United, they don't look like a team on paper by names that would be a top 10, but they always seem to do it. I always put Burnley down as a team that eventually I think they're going to have a relegation battle and they never do. They're always quite good. How much, Matt, I'll come to you first, how much do you think is that down to Sean Dyche? Yeah, I mean, like you say, you look at you look at their team sheet. It's not the sexiest team sheet in terms of names or high profile or even you know players that are going to be linked with major transfers in the summer or anything like that. And I think with that, you know, there is a massive amount that Dice has done with that team. You know, you don't attribute them to spending a huge fortune uh, either, and they are consistently in that part of the table. Um, if I was a fan of the club. I'll be thinking to myself, does complacency come in over the next few seasons? Because if, we, if we're not going to push on, we're not going to spend that money and, and get those higher profile signings, um, are we going to become... I always attribute this kind of team to a Fulham who yeah. kind of yeah. languish there for a while. And then, you know, with no ambition, it'll, all the teams around you are going to surpass you. But I think Dice has done an amazing job there so far. Um And I just wonder, though, you know, where does he go from there? Because I don't think you'd argue he's an elite, elite manager. Um, And, and, you know, if he he gets a chance at a club, much like how Moyes, um, when he took over at United, is he only ever going to get that chance Mm. with a club like that, that actually are in transition, a a club that actually don't want him to spend a lot of money, that want him for his calm and and stability, um, and and that ultimately results in failure for a lot of big clubs. Um, so I don't know where he's going to go from there but Burnley has certainly have benefited from him in, in the short and long term It's interesting with Dice isn't it because the, out of nowhere in the last couple of weeks there's been rumours of him maybe leaving in the summer maybe a bit of a falling out with the chairman can, can Burnley do better than Dice? Because I think we've had this before haven't we? didn't they have someone for a long term and they got rid of him and didn't Brian Laws come in when they were in a relegation battle and they ultimately went down that's what my memory is saying. But anyway, Dyche. Can, can Burnley do better than Dyche if he goes? I think they might struggle, to be honest. Um, what Dyche has brought to Burnley is that he's made them into a team. If you look at some of the teams who are below Burnley in the table, so, for example, you've got today's opponents, Everton, Newcastle, West Ham, Villa. They're big-name teams. But you look at them, and they might have one or two outstanding players, but there's not much of a team spirit there where if you look at Burnley and they're all pretty much on a level with each other so I think that there's something of a what's the term um greater than the sum of its parts mm. so I, I think that I think you can attribute that to Sean Dyche I think that's what he's brought to them is this sense of togetherness which other clubs don't seem to have who are people going to be wary of come Wednesday night uh, when against Burnley, which players stick out for you when they're on the ball thinking, oh, hang on, here he goes. Probably our old, our old nemesis, or our, our old familiar player, Chris Wood. You know, yeah. He's probably, um, he's probably, I think him and Rodriguez are their main goal scorers. So, um, 
Uh, yeah, as, kind of what the guys have said. They're not a team with too many standout players as such. Um, I mean, greater than some of its parts lends it perfectly, as Andy said, to to Burnley. I think if you you, you take Dyche out of that, then I, I, I can see it kind of falling apart a little bit. Um, but, I mean, you, you, you can bet that when we play them, they'll be well drilled. It'll be probably be tough to to break them down. Um, and that they'll probably be a bit of a, a stubborn team. I, mean, I remember us playing playing them last season at home when we beat them 1-0. And I think we had about 30 shots on target, but only managed to get one in in the second half. So I can probably see something a little bit similar when, when we play them. It'll just be a bit of test of patience with them. Burnley have got a good win, actually, um, after, including this game. So they've got Wolves at home, but they've also got Norwich and Brighton in their last two games. So although they're on 50 points at the moment, they would still probably fancy a bit of a late push for those Europa spots, even if it's a qualification one. Yeah, absolutely. They can still sneak in at seventh. I mean, Sheffield are four points ahead of them. But, yeah, they're going to want to finish the season as strongly as possible, especially when you think that for every place that you finish higher, you get that bit more money. For a club like Burnley, you want that extra bit of money because it's going to help you in the summer. Uh, talking to Chris Woods, uh, Kenny Jacket must still feel annoyed that, you know, wasn't Chris Woods the player that Kenny Jacket tried <laughs> to get every summer? He's still trying to get him now. He's still trying to get him now. <laughs> Do you want to come to League One? No, but just come on. Come over to League One. Um, this is the part of the question I wanted to ask that uh, Mark Spruce had uh, sent in. The other part was, does Poe Dents deserve another start against Burnley? I think, yeah. I think absolutely, yeah. Um, if you don't reward a performance like that with another start, why bother if I was, if, you know what I mean? Unless there's something tactically that that I don't get paid thousands of pounds a week to spot that actually wouldn't benefit from opponents playing, then I think you've got to play him um, because if he's going to have that kind of impact again, you're, we're more likely to create more, score more and ultimately win the game. I agree, yeah. Of oh, course you agree, good. Adam. Of course <laughs> you agree. You're always... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, of course. But, I mean, there's two ways to lose a player, and that's um, drop them without explaining why and to, to not so not reward a good performance. And um, I think I, I saw like, in the Paris match comments that Nuno said that, you know, I, I think they've drilled into him. There's a reason why that, that he hasn't played for so long. And it's about the system, they've got options, etc., etc. But he, he couldn't really have done much more than what he's done today. To be honest with you, other than Pickford allowing that ball to trickle over the line and trying to get a goal, there wasn't there wasn't much more he could do. He, he literally, we've all been raving about him. It's not just me; we've all been raving about him since the game started. So he, he's more than grasped opportunity. So I think he would be a little bit disappointing if if he can't find a way into the, the next the next game and reward his performance with another another start. But you know some, what Nuno's like sometimes; he will look at the opponents rather than who he's got and, and pick his team based on who we're playing sometimes. So you never know. The next game it could be three, five, two and him and Jota back up front. You never you are not, 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 not too sure really. I mean that's what I'm I'm aware not aware of but thinking of given how well organised you know Burnley are, is it just a if you were to say what formation you're gonna play, you just probably need to think a three five two is going to be the one to go for. Possibly. He does favour that system away from home to be fair to him. But as far as I'm concerned, you don't change a winning team. Not unless you have to. So maybe the only change that he may make, uh, depending on Neto's recovery from his injury. 
but for me, the other 10 players on the pitch have got to start. They've proven that they deserve to start as well. We're basically saying Podence, lone striker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let free Podence. Long balls. Yeah. Long balls. Release the Podence and he will do the rest. Um, that, 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 camp, that campaign definitely... Um, I think hashtag free pilots was set up about 48 hours ago. It's had instant, real, instant results. <laughs> I wonder if Nuno saw that and was like, right, all right, then, fine, then. Here you go. Here's Poden. See what he does. And he, oh, crap, he, he did well. Um, all right, no, you're, okay. actually, you're, actually, you're actually quite good, I didn't yeah. see that coming. <laughs> um, let's do some, uh, I know we're probably feeling quite happy at the moment, gents, understandably given the result. But Matt, I'll come to you first. What's your gut now for a prediction for Wednesday night? What's your your heart and mind saying to you now? Um, well, I think Andy had it spot on when he said that there will be a bit more structured and a bit more organised. And I think it will be a bit of huff and puff. I don't think we'll get that magic first half goal that we got today. Oh. Blue. Um, so I'm sorry. So um, <laughs> if this if this was a, a betting segment uh, where I'd be giving my tip, I'd be saying first half draw, second half Wolves. I think we'll end up on with with, with a one niller, maybe a two niller as a best case scenario. But I think um, it'll be a bit more meat and gravy than um, sex on the beach, put it that way. Uh, Andy and Adam, what are you going for? What's your heart and mind telling you right now for a, for away to Burnley? Uh, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a bit of a battle. I think you, there's a reason that Sky and BT gave this match to BBC. <laughs> it's not going to be sexy football. <laughs> I think we may scrape it 1-0. Adam, the captain of Positive <laughs> Club. I'm expecting a positive answer. What are you going for? Uh, I do. <laughs> it is why what Andy says. Basically, like BBC gets chucked the fish heads of the games. Don't they? <laughs> yeah. just, just have, have that, you peasant. <laughs> you can have the games that we think are going to be shit, you can have. Um, I don't know. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm envisaging a win, of course. But I mean, I, I don't think it'll be... I think it will be tough. I do think there will be tough to break down. I only think there's going to be one goal in the game. I think we'll win it 1-0. But um, I don't think, yeah, it, won't be, it certainly won't be as easy as it, will be, as it was today. I think a dice team is going to be much more drilled and well-organised. I'll go back to a game from last season. You know, I think we'll be the better team, but it's just how we break them down. So I'll go for a 1-0. Lovely. Gents, on this sunny Sunday afternoon, we're all happy, Larry. Wolves get the win. You know, no one was ever bothered the last two games, were they? No one was <laughs> <Not> bothered. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, so thank you very much for listening, everybody. You can follow us all week on the socials. As usual, just type in Wolves Fancast and you'll find us there. And if you like what you've just listened to and you've got iTunes, why not give us a five-star review and comment and help a Wolves podcast up the charts. Gentlemen, thank you for your time on Zoom. Hope everyone's caping, 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 what's that? Keeping safe, <laughs> caping and keeping safe. And uh, it's bye from Matt. Take it easy, guys. Look after yourself. Bye from Andy. See ya. Bye from Adam. Goodbye. And it's bye from me. See you next time.
This is what renting furniture with Feather looks like. Pieces that fit your style and your space and cost less than your monthly phone bill. Oh, and did we mention delivery and assembly included? Feather. Start renting at livefeather.com.